It is 18 years ago, almost to the day. A sunny day with leaves just turning, the touch lines new ruled, since I watched you play your first game of football. Then, like a satellite wrenched from its orbit, I go drifting away behind a scatter of boys. I can see you walking away from me towards the school, with the pathos of a half-fledged thing set free into a wilderness, the gate of one who finds no path where the path should be. That hesitant figure, eddying away like a winged seed loosened from its parent stem, has something I never quite grasped to convey about nature's give and take, the small, the scorching ordeals which fire one's irresolute clay. I have had worse partings, but none that so gnaws at my mind still. Perhaps it is roughly saying what God alone could perfectly show, how self it begins with a walking away, and love is proved in the letting go. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Straight Talking English. I need to have a catchphrase for this podcast, I think. Something like, I don't know, the poet, the podcast that reflects a lot of research. <laughs> Sorry about last week. Um, this podcast basically is an unpaid part-time job and I have my actual job as well and sometimes it all just overtakes each other. So, however, I'm back on track this week. I am your host as ever, Catherine. str 8 Talk English on tw- Twitter, straighttalkingenglish.com. Book 5 is out if you like research and information and all the context, the full context in fact of all our war poems, you can buy that on Amazon. Search up the full context series, it's AQA Power and Conflict it is called. It is very very good, it's only a tenner, it's quite long and if you enjoy what I do on this podcast you may well like to read the book, book six the love and relationships one i am now let's just check my word count i am four thousand words into it so let's hope that goes along very nicely and if you like what i do patreon slash straight talking english if you donate for as little as pound a month you will get a shout out on our show as my favorite patreon alex does quite recent quite uh frequently Or, for the top tier subscribers, you can commission me to write something and do an episode on something of your choice. Alright, I think that's everything I do. YouTube, of course, as well. Lovely contact videos all going up. And, since we have the bank holiday weekend, there may well be some more up. That I was trying to, uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of a good title for this episode, and it is of course I'm walking away, but I just wanted to say like, Cecil Day-Lewis is a terrible father, was gonna be my, <laughs> my title, because he's just the worst. Right, dude is an amazing poet, incredibly influential, he was the laureate, he was a really big deal in the world of poetry, and also the world of socialism, contemporary of WH. Alden made a really really big contribution to the world but was just a terrible father just really really awful quite a lot of what I'm drawing on at the moment because not actually that much has been written about him it's a biography written by his son Sean Day-Lewis as you can imagine haha it's quite difficult to write an objective biography of your own parents I don't know if I could to be honest and his one has a little bit of a uh, 
he gritted teeth is only a way i could describe it it's like he's gritting his teeth the whole way through let's start with the actual incident in the poem sean was a very little boy when his dad dropped him at school and this is what he had to say about it. Cecil never had any qualms about buying an education for his children, whether or not this gave them an unfair advantage over others. And as a communist, it had been made clear to him that his duty was to stay as close to the ruling class as possible, even if this did mean patronising schools devoted to the social status quo. Thus, as soon as we arrived in Devon in 1938, I was sent to the junior department of All Hallows School, Rousden, occupying a spectacular, though often mist-shrouded, estate on the high cliffs above the thickly wooded landslip between Lyme Regis and Seaton. Whether this institution really provided its inmates with any advantages during the war years is doubtful. It was trying to be a public school, built about the blessed trinity of the chapel, the parade ground and the rugby field. It was very proud of its most famous old boy, Marshal of the Royal Air Force, Sir Arthur Harris, the man running the British bomber offensive against Against Germany as the ring was closed on Hitler. It was this school which provided the background for Cecil's late 50s poem to me about how the love of parents is proved in the letting go. Alright, alright, so Sean is the oldest and he is the first one to be sent off. So what was their relationship like that provoked this? Well, it could be his relationship with his dad that set the whole thing off. His dad was a vicar. His mum had passed away. He would say in a 71 interview uh, what made him express himself as a poet. He said, I would think that probably it was being an only child, therefore having a pretty lonely childhood, an agreeable one, but lonely, playing by myself all the time till I went to my private school. What else would there be? My mother dying while I was four. All deprived children do go a bit queer. Um, Not as in minority sexuality, as in the old fashioned meaning, meaning a bit weird. And my form of going queer, I mean, I didn't become a delinquent. I became an incipient poet. So his dad was always really, really busy. His dad didn't really have a lot of time for him because he was being quite busy with vicary type things. Cecil would remember I both suffered and profited from the contradictions in my father's character. His behaviour so remote from the uniformity of treatment which children are supposed to thrive on emotionally, so capricious and unreliable, made me timid, wary, over-adaptable perhaps and too anxious to please, but it also made me sensitive to the mood of others, sharpened my sense of justice and my indignation against injustice. So dad sent him away to this. He sent him away to this school. It seems kind of terrible. As his dad moved away from being a chaplain to being vicar of a country village, he realized that his dad was kind of neurotic and his dad was kind of insecure. The incident that set this up was at the primary school. There was what would be called a sex scandal then. Um, we would say it's possibly some element of being a sexual predator, but allegedly this teacher was caught being inappropriate with a younger child. Cecil was not involved, but 
his dad overreacted and was absolutely furious that like he'd even like known about it cecil was like what and in a letter he said a light appeared on the horizon her saving skepticism moved closer i had not been so irredeemably wicked and even if i had my father would survive it he should have thought less about his own feelings and about the ordeal i had been going through something tough buoyant resilient and realistic in me a self i'd hardly met before came to my rescue from this moment the old relationship with my father was doomed for he had let me down when i most needed it the man i had idolized lay in fragments and i was too young to understand it too much hurt to accept the real man behind the idol when his dad sent him away he couldn't send him away emotionally so cecil would fight back from this dad that was distant and busy but sometimes emotionally involved cecil would reject him cecil would then be like no dad i love you and it was always kind of weird but let's think about the ordeals that he thinks his son is going to go through the things that are going to fire his resolute clay this is actually i was reading this and i was like you cannot be serious um this is i would say borderline child abuse or extreme bullying so content warning this is what cecil went through at school i was first made to swallow a concoction of ink and bad cheese which certainly lowered my physical resistance i was then pushed against under a row of desks the lids of the locker seat were thrown back against the desks to create a sort of penthouse roof and brown paper was lit at either end of the tunnel created thus next i was dragged out choking but not burnt and put through a series of running the gauntlet courses in which toasting forks wet towels and his uh, bullies knotted rope figured finally i was taken upstairs and thrown still in my sunday clothes into a cold bath the ordeal could not have lasted more than the quarter of an hour i managed not to be sick or to weep or to utter a sound throughout oh guilt <sighs> he grows up he qualifies as a teacher he weirdly he teaches at cheltenham college in cheltenham where an ex-boyfriend of mine went and a teaching colleague of mine and he lived in the same small village as the ex-boyfriend of mine uh, called charlton kings just outside gloucestershire and the amount of time i spent in my youth hanging around in that village um i was like all right all right i know this guy i know what he's doing fair enough eventually he gets married while teaching and he kind of wants to live in this poetic lifestyle he kind of wants to be this amazing poet but also like trying to be a conformist school teacher and keep a roof over his head sean is the first of his children sean reflects that as a young father in the 30s and 40s he was conscious of the need not to repeat his father's mistakes in the way of emotional smothering in childhood for reasons probably connected with parental inhibitions about the physical display of love for a son i was disturbed quote unquote a sleepwalker a fire raiser a nightmare dreamer a bedwetter 
Because his outward face was so calm, his occasional explosions of temper were the more impressive. Once when we were living in Devon and simultaneously caught each other cheating in an elaborate game of hide-and-seek Cecil had invented, he blew up and chased me through our long garden, hurling windfall apples at my retreating form. We both retired, shaken to separate corners of the house, and soon he came to apologise, sounding unusually sheepish. This was the wor- the fact that this was the worst moment of conflict my memory retains shows on the surface at least our relationship was harmonious in a way i probably gained over my younger brother in being a guilt figure a supposed victim of early mistakes cecil sometimes knew my mind quicker than i did he was a generous but realistic encourager concealing his disappointments at my comprehensive failure as a schoolboy and making the most of my tiny triumphs he gave much practical help concealing the trouble this caused him he was a good material provider who never asked for gratitude or gave the smallest hint of the money worries which frequently fussed him his lyrical singing of tom moore ballads and his dramatic readings to us from john buchan the 39 steps guy Conan Doyle and Charles Dickens planted seeds and so did his availability for ball games and his pleasure in winning them. He often contributed to the family newspaper I ran, using energy needed for his own work. However, through my second decade, Cecil worked in London, leaving his family in Devon and was preoccupied with love affairs. My brother and I were deposited at boarding schools. At the time, when I thought a mistress was someone who taught school juniors, this gave him a scarcity value which increased his popularity in comparison with my mother. In the early 50s, he embarked on a second marriage, and from then, all my meetings were planned events. Yes, this is why Cecil is a terrible father, because he could not stop cheating. He had this, like, really conflicted lifestyle. He wanted to be a conformist, he wanted to do well, but he was also a massive, massive socialist. This extended into his private life as well. He wanted to have the stability of having his wife and having his lovely family but also having affairs with as far as i can tell every woman he could uh, look at we're not talking thomas hardy making notes in a notebook about like i saw a woman but not far from it 1960 he meets a beautiful lady known to the world as billy he would say later a, it was a wild, preposterous and devouring love affair which I had embarked upon, a rather shanghai aboard, a product perhaps of the hallucinatory and irresponsible Munich period. And elsewhere in his autobiography, which I haven't actually been able to get a hold of, he refers to a shameless, half-savage, inordinate affair which had taught me a great deal about women and myself that I've never known. This lady, Billy, is important because eventually, despite being married, she gets pregnant um at this point day lewis has two legitimate children and number three is called william he shows up one time buys billy and baby william a pram and then disappears forever deadbeat dad during the second world war he is involved in something called the ministry of information that's the guy who's like 
writing the slogans the keep calm and carry on that's the guys like overseeing the propaganda doing a bit of censorship all of that and the reason i want to talk about the ministry of information is because the other thing that cecil day lewis did for money he wrote detective stories it's all under a pen name the pen name is nicholas blake and they are actually really really good I read through the ones that are mostly autobiographical and um, to get ready for doing this episode. Um, there is one based on his time working at the Ministry of Information. There is one based on when Sean was hit by a car called The Beast Must Die. And that's like a nice one-off um, book about a guy seeking revenge for his son who's hitting a hit and run and minute for murder is pretty good as well that's where he worked at publishers he turned his experiences into like these detective <laughs> novels and their hero nigel strangeways is based on him all right strangeways is actually quite an appealing character strangeways is is quite nice um, but it must have been a bit weird, right? If, like, your colleague is like, I'm writing a detective story that one of you is getting murdered. Don't worry, it's set right here. It's great. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. I mean, I feel like I could probably write a sitcom based on the ridiculousness of my experiences in the classroom. But I'm like, really? Really? Like, you're going to write a detective who's definitely not you, definitely not you at all, of course not, uh, who solves murders based on your workplaces? Like, bro, really? Um, conveniently, though, as I mentioned, he's a philanderer. He just arbitrarily kills off the detective's wife. It's like, oh, yeah, she died, whatever. And then he gets a bunch of other girlfriends. But in all of the uh, detective books where he's like relaxing at home with his wife, the girlfriend, whatever, he always asks the lady to give him a head massage. All I can assume is that this guy was a sucker for having his shoulders or his scalp massaged. <laughs> and there's a fact no one thought they would get. But he wrote them all under a pen name because he was a little bit ashamed of the fact that writing a detective story puts money on the table you know you're a serious poet serious socialist i've got my stuff to say you know it's all good and then you're like murder and detection but they are well good actually if you want a relatively unchallenging read any of the nicholas blake books i really enjoyed them and then we come to the really terrible fathering <laughs> Like, I have to laugh. So he'd had a lot of affairs. He finally falls for the perfect woman who would go on to be his second wife. His wife, Mary, had sort of put up with all of this, but it comes to a head and he's like, no, I'm getting a divorce. We are good. Even though he'd been in a relationship with someone else who was also married for 10 years, it's girlfriend number three that he decides is perfect because he's terrible and while working at a publisher he decides the best way to share this with his family is to write them a letter oh god <laughs> like I, I don't know i don't know why i'm so judgmental of these things but i'm like oh my god really 
He writes Sean a letter while Sean is in the RAF. And it says, Dearest Sean, this is a difficult letter to write to you, but I must do my best. I think you are old enough now to understand what a serious problem it is for me. For about 10 years now, Mummy and I have been growing apart. I want to impress on you that, as far as anyone could be blamed for this, the, th the fault was entirely mine. Duh. She has always been good and forgiving. I fell in love with Rosamund Lehrman, who was my mistress for a number of years. Casual. I dare say you had suspected this, but since I was unable to marry her, we parted. I always refused to consider breaking up my home till you and Nicholas were of a reasonable age. Well, now I am living with Jill, and I'm quite sure the time has come to leave Mummy. I have asked her to give me a divorce because I want to marry Jill. We are not sure yet whether she'll be able to, but in any case there will be a separation. This is a very hard thing for Mummy, I know, but I do badly need someone I love who shares my interests, and although I don't approve of people divorcing lightly, I think it's dishonest and in the end disastrous to go on living with someone when your heart and mind are with somebody else. Mummy would go on living at home for a year or two at least, so Nicholas and you will have it to go back to for the holidays. And of course I shall love to have you in London with me, whenever you feel like coming, and I shall always be at hand to give you any sort of help, practical or otherwise, which you may need. Don't mention of this to anyone, yet I shall be telling Nicholas before you see him next, and I'll be coming home for two weekends in September when you're here. I'm afraid this will have given you a shock, and you may think I am doing wrong, but I believe in the long run it'll prove to be the best thing I could have done under the circumstances. Anyway, write to me when you can. Don't be afraid to say whatever you want to say about this when you have got used to the idea. With best love, Dada. Oh my days. He just comes across as really selfish. Like, okay, okay, okay. I try not to be judgmental, but cheating, like, I feel like you can avoid it. Like, if you like someone else, just, just say no. Okay. <laughs> Sean writes back. He's like, dude, really, really? And Cecil says, dearest Sean, I was very glad to get your letter that you wrote as you did, saying clearly and honestly just what you thought. I will answer your questions in the same way. First, Mummy knew about Rosamond after the first two years of my association with her, but agreed to let it continue, for my sake, on condition I spent half my time at home. She knew about Jill also, because I told her as soon as I fell in love with Jill. This was last January. I told Mummy then, I felt I must leave her, could not stand any longer the mental agony of trying to divide myself between two people, apart from which I knew it was not fair to M or J to do so. Oh, uh, uh. What you said about having had a happy childhood touched me more than I can say, for I never felt I was a grade A father, though I wanted to be. I hope this answers some of your questions. Please go on asking them if there are other things that would be helpful for you to know. Best love, Dada. Right, 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 right. So you might ask why I'm sharing all this divorce stuff in a poem about dads and stuff. Well, this selfishness is what permeates the poem. He's not wondering how the kid's gonna do. He's not imagining how baby Sean is feeling age seven, um, sent off to a school. And, mate, and I googled this. It closed in 1998, this actual school. And it was so remote, it didn't have an address. It just said, like, Oh, hello, school. Near Lyme Regis. <laughs> it closed because it was so remote. So there's no, like, worrying about, Oh, is baby Sean going to be okay? Is he imagining that, like, um, Baby Sean, you know, whatever. No, it's all about him. 
seed from a parent flower. Flower's important, little seed. You know, a satellite wrench from its orbit. The planet's the important bit, not the satellite. All of this is me, 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 me. And I like, I do like this poem. I do like it. But it feels like he talks about the agonies of his children growing up. And there are a few more about this theme. But it all seems like a bit hypocritical, isn't it? Going through all these agonies. But I think you've caused half of them yourself because you can't stop falling in love. Anyway, since Sean and Nicholas were kind of the first attempt, it's okay. He started a second family. <laughs> You're right. We tried the first time. Those two right off let's start it again with this lady jill the older boy is daniel the oscar-winning actor daniel day lewis and the second one is his finally his first daughter called tamazin tamazin later said to sean when he was writing this biography i think he got i think he really got bored with being a father quite early in our lives i realized i would never get close to him unless i won his respect but i had to win his respect through my work he was very good when we went through my English work and explained things elegantly and simply. He very rarely praised, but he was complimentary about an essay I wrote on T.S. Eliot. It was only his last two years that I began to win his respect, and there were other difficulties as well. She got a boyfriend when she was 17, and Cecil got really anxious and told her, I don't want my daughter to be a whore or a tart. Tamazin who already knew some of Cecil's sexual history, considered he was insisting on a double standard. Ugh. So once again, we have to try and separate the person's work, which is incredibly important, linked to these amazing like 1930s poets, totally revolutionary, amazing verse writer, and just being kind of a rubbish dad. Like, I could have done a completely different episode about why Cecil Day-Lewis is really important to English poetry, why he's great. Because I'm doing the context of this spe specific one, I was going to say Pacific then, I've got to talk about why he's such a rubbish dad. So if you take away nothing else, uh, try not to have too many affairs, guys. Read the Nicholas Blake books and, in general, don't don't leave your children somewhere so remote it doesn't have an address that's basically a field all right guys thank you so 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 much for listening thank you so much to nick for our reading today love it str8 talk english on twitter straighttalkenglish.com patreon slash straight talking english if you like what i do book five of the full context series is now available on amazon you can tell that i'm already getting distracted in the middle of my sentences so i've got to round it up next week we are going to be talking about the really quite sad and rubbishy life of charles Coolsley. it very very much reminds me of charlotte mew actually tell me if you think the same thing and i will see you next week mm -hmm.